Well, I'm running on very little sleep because I was working last night till about midnight. And then, of course, if I stay up like past 11.30, oh, I'm screwed. Because my body's like, oh, I guess you're up. And then I can't get to sleep until like 1 or 2. So, even if I go to bed, like 11.45, it's like I'm up till 2. I'm not going to sleep. Are you kidding me? This isn't always the case, but... It's more often than I would appreciate. So I got this thing fixed. Midnight. Okay, finally. That feels good. I can get that. It's over with. Let's go to sleep. So, um, then I couldn't sleep. That's fine. Eventually I fell asleep. No problem. Just work on your breathing. You'll get there. All right. Um, sorry, sorry. I'm not working on a lot of sleep, so I'm like stupid right now. So there's that, and then my daughter woke up twice, and uh, I had to put her back to bed. And then at five, she woke up and um, just came in and slept on my bedroom floor. And that woke me up and I wasn't getting back to sleep. So I slept from like, oh, one to five at the the most. (laughs) That's four hours. But I'm, you know, I'm entering middle age. I guess I I could say I am middle age now. I'm 34. Is that the cutoff? What's the cutoff? 35, maybe? 32? It's, it's got to be somewhere around here. 27? It's not 27. It's 30 at the earliest. 30 to 50. Anyway. I guess it depends on your health. <laughs> okay, all right, sorry. Uh, um, what was I saying? Excuse me. You can't keep doing this. I mean, I can't. I can't keep staying up till one or two in the morning. Very much longer. Right, I can't run on four hours of sleep anymore. It's not good. So why am I talking about this? Well, because when my daughter woke me up at five, came and laid down in the bedroom, I was awake and everything was silent. I like that. I'm living somewhere where I don't don't hear the freeway anymore. That's real nice. So it was silent. And uh, 
I was in a consciousness state that was very still, very still. Not as still as it could have been, but very still. And often when I get into that particular state of um, sleepy but not asleep, um, silent and still, I, I don't know how to word this. I don't want to say it this way, but I'm going to. I kind of freak out. <laughs> I don't really freak out. But I kind of do. Because I'm left with nothing but the awareness that I'm aware. I'm not distracted by things I got to do. I'm not thinking about... Um, I don't know, anything, you know, I'm not distracted in any way. I'm, I, I then get distracted by the fact that I'm aware and reflecting on that very real, immediate, undeniable uh, fact. because it's an experience. All right. And so I was in that state. And I don't quite freak out. It just it just feels like it means something. Like that it's so meaningful. It's just so replete. It's, it's shocking and scary. And so Yes, I had that experience again, as I've had several times this morning. And it doesn't produce, like, worry. It, it actually produces gratitude. Like, I'm so grateful that I'm alive and aware. And that I live in my particular life. So, so happy about that. Uh, but I don't, you know. But it also comes with a feeling that I'd be happy whether it's this life or whatever else, you know. But it also feels like a burden, like that there's something on my shoulders that I that I have a responsibility. responsibility that I intend to embrace or something like that, some kind of feeling like that, but that it is a responsibility. All right. I don't know if you can relate to this. Now, I bet you can. 
But if you can't, then I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know how else to make this mean anything to you. Haven't you had that experience? Maybe in that sleepy state? Haven't you? Ever? What about as a child? I've had this experience in a, in, in a more shocking way as well. I remember several times being woken up by the awareness that I was aware. You know, kind of like how you have a nightmare and you like sit up straight and you're like breathing. You're like <sighs> shocked, you know, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you get like an adrenaline rush and everything. I've had that experience where I've woken up in that kind of a state because I became aware that I was aware as the first thing that I was aware of. I am. <laughs> I exist. Isn't that insane? So maybe you can't relate. I don't know if... I if uh, very many people um, have had that experience. Uh, and then, you know, once you hear about that experience, like, how am I going to have that experience? It's bizarre. I, yeah, okay, fine. You know, okay. I don't even know why I'm talking about this this morning. I just wanted to I get it off my chest. I just wanted to reflect on it. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. This morning, the flavor that it took was reflecting on my life somewhat. And uh, it's always really fine. It's always really entangled with the concept of death. That's what it is. That's why. It, that's part of why it's so shocking. I don't know if it's that I felt like I came out of the grave when I, you know, feel that way, like that I feel like I'm coming out of nothing, coming out of nowhere. What it probably more likely is, is that I'm condensing down into a structure, which is myself, but... But I don't know. I don't know why it's so entangled with the concept of death. You can't be aware that you're not aware. Death is not an experience. It's not something you can experience. And, by the way, if we say that only what I experience is what is real, is what exists, 
death isn't real in that regard. But you'd say, well, then sleep's not real. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that sleep's irrelevant. Well, it's not irrelevant in, in the context of, well, you, your body needs it. Okay. It's not irrelevant in that context. But in the context of uh, a seamless con uh, conscious experience, up that you were asleep after the fact. It's a model. That's what I'm saying. It's a model. Death is nothing more than a model too. I wish I could express how I felt this morning better. But I, I'm struggling to do so. Well, if I can't express how I felt, can I express any conclusions that come out of it? What's the bottom line? I was talking to a chatbot one time about consciousness. Now, these chatbots, they're neural networks. They're not that sophisticated. Uh, they're not just neural networks, too. I mean, GPT-3 was, but this was before GPT-3. Um, this was like, I don't know, some stupid little app I downloaded to, for fun. Uh, so I was talking to this chatbot. And so they're very hierarchical, hieristic, hieristic, heuristic. They're very heuristical. And they're an amalgamation of different technologies and they're not one entity, you know, <laughs> they're not, whatever. Um, I don't know how to put it. They're not conscious, like you and I are conscious. Now, because something's happening though, you can attribute a consciousness to it. If you can attribute a consciousness to neural behavior, right? like potassium being pulled into the axon channel or whatever to produce a, an, 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 an axon firing or whatever. Um, if you can attribute conscious experience to the brain and say, well, it generates our experience. Okay. All right. Fine. We'll go that way. If you can do that, then every physical interaction, you can attribute some kind of conscious. You, it's the same. You're, you're saying it's part of the same coin is what it is. That's what that's the same. 
Uh, you're saying physics is part of the same coin as conscious experience. There are two sides of the same coin. If you're going to say that the brain generates consciousness, there's nothing special about the brain. It's just a bunch of loops. Okay? Guess what else is a bunch of loops? The movement of the planets. Uh, everything. Every physical thing <laughs> that happens uh, on some level, layer, level, is just a bunch of loops. Memory structure. Uh, mutating structure. Okay? So, if you're going to say that the brain generates consciousness, what you're actually claiming is that um, all physical movement, all physical interaction, all physics, it expresses some kind of conscious experience. Okay. All right. I, you know, think it through. I mean, just think it. You, you'll you'll see exactly where I'm coming from. It's, you can't produce something magic from a material reductionist point. That's the that's the problem. That's the problem with the material reductionist point of view. This is what I came to eventually. I was like, okay, religion is stupid. I'm out. I'm like, okay, what's else? What else is, you know, what's the alternate? Oh, material reductionism. Okay, sure. That's me. I'm, I'm a scientist. I'm a atheist, anarchist. Well, anarchist has nothing to do with those things. But, you know, I, I'm rational. Sure, okay, material reductions, all the way, 100%. But then my mind was like, aren't you aware? <laughs> How'd that happen, bro? Oh. Awareness, as experienced, is not matter. It experiences matter. It's not energy. It experiences energy. It's not material. Well, shit. What the hell is conscious experience then? My religion gave me a convenient excuse. Oh, conscious experience is a, you know, it's in your spirit. It's in your soul. It's the breath of life. It's, it's God's breath. It's... We don't, we don't really know, but, you know, it's there. <laughs> uh, okay. And then you go into material reductions, and they're like, oh, this thing that material shouldn't be able to create? Yeah, we, we assert that it is created from the brain. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem. That's it. That's the main issue with material reductions. There's really no other issue. That's the main thing. That's that's why it's not true. That's why it's not. The whole story is, is really a more accurate way of putting it. It's not the whole story. It's not the theory of everything. 
It's not enough. It doesn't explain consciousness unless you say we are inside a brain or, or a mind. All physical reality is the expression of a mind. And if you say that, well, you're just back to like ancient Hinduism, you know? Like, you're just, what more are you saying? Then, you know, it's not anything different. Or even, it, it's even an expression of the first cause. It's even classical theism. It's not that special, dude. So, material reductionism. You know, if you want to go down that road, that's that's what you end up with. You end up with the first cause. You end up with... Uh, you end up with panpsychism, I suppose. You end up with... <laughs> Ironically, you end up with uh, I, 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 idealism. Is that what it's called? Uh, the fact that everything's an idea. Yeah. You end up there because you can't explain conscious awareness through material reductionist means. Now, you can explain the contents of conscious awareness. The brain. But you can't explain why it exists in the first place. And that's the same problem of saying, well, you can't explain why the universe exists. Nobody can. No material reductionist can. And anybody who can explain why the universe exists... Uh, must do so from a purely well, from one or two places either a purely logical structure that says oh okay here's the logic behind why it exists done we can derive existence from one equals one okay I don't know what that means but uh, they're either, either coming from there or they're just making an assertion well God made it or you know it's just this is just how it is So, um, sorry, I am having a hard time remembering how I got here, and therefore I'm having a hard time being coherent. That's the problem with material reductionism. And when I realized that, I had to give up material reductionism as an ex explanation for everything. You know, like Newton's laws, it explains a lot, and it's very predictive, but it's not everything. And there's, there's something else. And that's, you know, I mean, I, just, I couldn't go anywhere but paradox after that. But I don't want to get into that. Um, why was I saying that 
sorry. I do not. But I am reminded this uh, about something that did occur to me this morning as I was laying in the silence. Choice, choice. I think that's part of the major burden, the burden of choice that uh, strikes me when I get into that state. The burden that, you know, my daughter came in and uh, if she sleeps well, if she, you know, sleeps in her bed all night without getting up and doing stuff, whatever, I give her a treat in the morning, every morning. If she doesn't, she doesn't get a treat. Um, we started that because, man, she was like getting up all the time. She was like really fighting us. Anyway, like she was like just turned three or maybe she was still two. I don't know. No, she was three. She was three. So, um, and so she came into the room and she's bringing in her little pillow and her blanket. And I say, if you sleep in here, you don't get a treat in the morning. Okay. And she'll do that. She'll be like, oh, what I care about right now is all that matters. And then I'm going to try to get a treat later anyway. <laughs> uh, so she'll do that. She'll say, okay. Like it doesn't matter. At all. It's just because it's in the future. She, she doesn't even have like a, a conception of the future yet. Like it's not even a real place to her. It's not real yet. Not, not that real. Okay. And so then. Um, huh. Oh, sorry. And so maybe that's what got me thinking about it this particular morning. Say, you know, I mean, it's a shocking time and choice. You have to live with the choices you make. You know, that's like the main lesson. Is that there are consequences. I don't know. I don't know. It's a huge burden. It's amazing that, that I don't know, that it's arranged that way. And I'm convinced that it's arranged that way because even if, uh, and, and I do think this is probably the most accurate way to see things, even if uh, you see things as from an entirely Ideal, I, 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 idealism point of view where we are in the mind of God, quite literally. Uh, I think um, 
and that, that all matter is a thought, okay, that I, I think idealism says Theoretic first. Theoretic. Let me use a different term. Information first. Like a video game. It's all information, right? But you can jump into the video game and you get the illusion that there's a ground, that there are rocks, you know, that there's matter. So that's what idealism is. It's that all the matter you really see is actually an illusion. On the most fundamental level, it's an illusion. Now you might say, well, it exists because I observe it and I can touch it. And, you know, at that level, yeah, it exists. It's real at that level. But... It's not that the matter was there and then we um, evolved to see it and have ideas about it. That's not the case. It is the case, but it's not the case fundamentally. Fundamentally, Now, this is where it gets tricky for me. This is where I'm like, hmm, I don't know. But I have to kind of agree with it. I, I do. And so this is, what, this is what it says, I think. It says, information does not need any substrate other than itself to exist or to manifest, or to be. We talked about like a, a river flowing through a valley, how it changes the valley. Information, um, you know, words have to be written on a book, a page. Um, or they have to be carried through the air as vibrations. Or, you know, information has to be stored somewhere on a hard drive, in memory, random access. So the substrate is the hardware and it's underneath the information because the information sits on top of it. Okay. This is what we're used to. Because we have books and we have computers and we live in a material world and we're like okay if i need to store some information i can just write it down and but i, I need something to write it on and so our, i think our natural inclination is to say matter 
first, substrate first, hardware first. And it's a, it's a valid way to see things. But I, I think idealism says no. Information first. Information will find the substrate that it needs to have. It will generate. It will produce the substrate that it needs to exist on. Um, because it's, it's an idea. Ideas first. Idealism. Everything's an idea first. And it is an idea first. If you make a car, you had to have an idea about the car first. And that idea can be uh, a, a distributed amongst many, many minds. Because I don't know how to do you know, X, Y, or Z, but I do know how to do Q. And so I can do that one little part and I have an idea about it. I can engineer it. I can understand it. I can... I got it. And other people can do the other parts. We can all have this macro idea that doesn't include all the details. So, uh, the older I get, the more I think about these kind of things, the more I'm like, okay, I, I see it. I see why that has to be true. And then I look at the other side of things and I'm like, I see why that has to be true. And then I'm left with a conundrum. I'm like, I see why two uh, uh, separate ways have to be true. Seemingly conflicting have to be true. It's difficult. It's difficult for me. So I've just been coming to the conclusion that um, everything is two. Everything is, is both ways. Everything is every way that you don't know. Um, hmm, that's a good way to put it. The way I've tried to kind of formalize it is to say that, okay, there's an uncertainty principle. That's a mathematical concept. It's not a physics concept. It's, it's math first, right? I mean, it's, anyway. So there's this uncertainty principle that says you can't know everything. You, you, can't, you can't be certain about anything. I guess that's what it is. That's not how people think of it. Uh, you can't be certain because everything is two. Okay. All right. It's it's both momentum and velocity, right? Or or whatever. It's both both um, position and orientation, or so. I don't know, but it's it's two things, and you can't know them both at the same time because it's it's not one thing that is both of those it's two separate things you know bizarre 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 thought um 
I don't know. That's just how I, I've been trying to find a way to accept reality recently. Is to say, I don't need to put you into a particular box. If I need to do anything, I can draw a boundary around you in multiple ways. And if there's a combined boundary that is one, that's great. But I'm kind of accepting that that's usually not the case. And, and, and so then I place the combination in the uncertainty principle. And I say, okay, to the extent that the uncertainty principle is guaranteed in any given situation, um, That is the extent of the superposition. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's a superposition. The uncertainty guarantees a superposition. You know how, okay, you put a cat in the box and you're like, is it alive or no? And then you're like, oh, well, actually, since it cannot be observed and is not observed, I should really say, um, it is both alive and dead. It is not. This is what quantum, quantum mechanics teaches us. It is not one or the other, and we don't know. It is literally not that. It is literally both at the same time. Now you might say, well, that's just a fine way of modeling it. That's the most accurate way of modeling it. The information has not been decided. That's the most accurate way of modeling it, I think. So, so if you're going to say anything is actually true, it has to be the most accurate way of modeling something. So that's it. The uncertainty principle guarantees that the reality we live in is in a superposition to the extent that the uncertainty principle applies. Because that's the extent that you know you cannot know. That's the box. It's a box. You're, there's a box there that you can't look in. Does that make sense? Uh... 
I hope so. I think that's an important thing to understand. I think it's really important. And I think there's a lot more to it. And I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss it. I don't even know how we got from uh, my experience this morning to that. Well, I suppose I do. I was talking about choice. And I was talking about idealism. And I was basically going to say, if we take idealism as true, which is valid because it's actually uncertain, which means you can take either uh, reality as true, as as true as the other reality. There you go. Not as true, but as as true. Uh, because of that, then you can say, oh, it's, it makes sense because you, you can still come up with a uh, reality that behaves logically even when you're just working in ideal space, idea space. Because the ideas have to conform to each other to a certain extent and that is everything that's not implied by the uncertainty principle. Everything that's not uncertain. Ideas have to conform with each other in order to inhabit the same space. The same reality. You know, can't just make shit up. You know, that would contradict anything that's already there. Ah, such a fast one. So, so you sit atop a hierarchy of ideas. Then you you can make a rational world, even if the uh, it's not built on matter and energy, because it will produce those rules itself. Which means choices. Which means you got to choose. And the production of a new idea is a choice. You know, the, the acceptance of a new idea, the, the decision to make this come to pass is a choice. I heard a story once about, like back in the 90s or something, there was this big storm on Mount Everest and all these people, they were like, didn't, you know, they thought, okay, I, I'm just going to go up to the peak because I'm almost there. And, um, you know, it's a four-hour jaunt. But they didn't realize the storm was coming in. And if you don't get off the peak, you're not going to be able to get off the peak. Because there's going to be other people in your way. And it's, you know, anyway. So you have to make a choice. Do I go and risk my life? lose my life or do I just say ah, I didn't make it to the peak yeah I hiked Mount Everest but I didn't quite sum it up an ego sent a lot of these people to their deaths because they decided I'm going to do it and the moment they decided it their fate was planned, it was done you know all it took was a little bit of time to play out And so 
we can make these choices and we can change the future we, we can make it what we want it to be or what we don't want it to be but it's just an idea it's just it's just an alignment of your uh, i don't know what you'd call it your life experience your life force i don't know it's just an alignment of you with that idea that's what a choice is it's an attachment uh, i think at this point i'm just rambling so i wish i could have described that experience better that i had this morning but i think uh, i think this is as good as it gets I consider myself kind of a psychonaut. I like to explore the inner space, the, the realm of conscious awareness. Uh, psychonauts do it through drugs often, and I'm no different, but um, I don't think you have to do it through drugs all the time. <laughs> I think just regular living gives you a lot to think about. <laughs> Uh, so, as an explorer of that space. So, anyway.